This podcast is proudly sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, a Catholic fraternal benefit society dedicated to helping members achieve financial security through life insurance while supporting the Catholic community through fraternal outreach. Okay, we're back, Ever Ancient, Ever New, part three of the Thrilogy. The Thrilogy. I don't know that I'm... Oh my gosh, shoot, you beat me too. The Thrilogy (laughs) on the Liturgy. That's amazing. I'm sure someone else has coined the phrase Thrilogy, but I'm going to look for that domain name as soon as we're done with the podcast. (laughs) See if I can can think of something for that. We've been talking about the Liturgy, obviously, way more than three episodes are required to sort of cover it and... And the church has been you know, writing I discovered about it. A, I discovered a, a new podcast recently. I think it's been around for a few years, The, the Liturgy Guys. No, I haven't yeah, heard it's, of it. It's really good. Um, they, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, I mean, it's more intellectual, but if you're into that sort of thing, I, I, find, it, I find it really fascinating. Um, and they go through church documents. I mean, it kind of sounds boring. And I'm not trying to make them sound super awesome because I don't really want you to listen to them because I want you to keep listening to us. Yes. Listen to both. If you have time to listen to both. While you're driving. I mean, let's face it. Everybody listens to everything on double speed anyway. So, Correct. I mean, twice as many podcasts. <laughs> I only go up to 1.4 speed because it still sounds like a person's talking normally. Yeah. yeah. But maybe just a little fast. But then I like to calculate how much time I'm saving on my six-hour book. Like, oh, I got through it in four hours and 20 <laughs> right, minutes right. instead. <laughs> Audible does that now. Have you noticed that? Yeah. If you got it, it didn't used to do that, but if you got it, your speed you know, upped, it'll tell you that you know how much time you have based on your right, whatever yeah. speed that's, you've set it to. Nice. But it's then very I, tricky. But only, on, only like when you're in it, when you're not in it, it gives you, I'm like, shoot, I got six hours left. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a good point. Now, does Spotify... I haven't even checked. Do they allow speeding up? I don't know. I, haven't, I don't use Spotify for podcasts. I so guess. Any, I think Google Any of you does. out there, you can contact us and let us know. Um, yeah, I let us the, know if you listen to us iPhone on double one, speed. It really, can, it really goes like 1. 1 and 1.5. Oh, yeah. I need more fine-tuning. Yeah, that. like 1 and a quarter is kind of nice. I need more your voice, Your voice sounds pretty funny at 1.5, <laughs> by the way. I bet it does. We have very different sounding voices. I like I like my 1.4 speed on Audible, but we only have we average like 33 to 35 minutes on these podcasts. So you guys need to double speed us unless you're really rocking a massive <laughs> podcast library. So here we are in part three, our trilogy on the liturgy, and uh, it was really, really, really fascinated with the last one. It was, I think it was. Probably not Bishop Barron, but he he had mentioned this at one point, of the drama of salvation, right. which of course is played out in every mass. This yeah. is such a hard concept some, sometimes to explain to people that have not been to mass. Um, but I, I I liked your point about when we leave a great movie, we want to try and we go back and we replay it and we ask questions. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Catholic listening, that struggles at the mass one of the best things you can do is ask, either ask a priest or ask yourself, or in prayer, ask the Lord, why? What is that little thing? Right, right. What is that little part? I mean, I mean we'll often do this about the, the homily, the sermon, you know, people drive home and like, oh, yeah, kids, what was the, what was the homily about? What, what stuck out to you? But how often do we do that about the liturgy in itself? What was, what was the liturgy about? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, really, that's really the more important thing. Correct. So, um, now, you and I are both theater guys, yep. and we, we just finished a play, actually. Yep. Oh, it was amazing. And um, in that play, uh, 
you you had a costume, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I played the character you played. <laughs> that's right. Um, so so you, you know you wear a costume. Well, on Sunday when I get ready for mass, I put on a costume. I put on an alb and I put on a chasuble, and I have, I have things that I don't wear around in my my normal day to day life. Hmm. Right. So blasphemy. Ah. Um, <laughs> When at the, the the play when we did Moonshine Abbey, there was there were lights. Yeah. Right. Olivia did a great job with the lights. Great job. You know. Um, well, here at my parish, we have we have lights, and actually, uh, I just redid the lights so it's brighter in the sanctuary than it is in uh, in in the house in the nave. You know, hmm. because the more important things are going on, I want it to be more lit up. I want people's attention to be focused in the right spot. Yes. Thank right. you for that. By the way. Yeah. Um, there's you. You had a bunch of lines. How many lines did you have in Moonshine Abbey? A eighty ninety something like that. How many not, did you have not in Frasati? Frasati probably almost double. In It's a Wonderful Life, I think I've got like three hundred and sixty lines or something nice. like that. As George. So in um, in uh, in the Mass, I have a lot of lines. Yes. Yeah. Some of them I have memorized. Most of them I'm allowed. I'm allowed to read off of off of the script. Uh, but there's a lot, of, a lot of lines, and other people have lines too. You know, the yeah. deacon has some lines. The people have lines. The people do have the lines. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. There you go. Uh, now you know you have one of these advantages because you came into the church after the revisions of the the new translation of the the because ah. people who they still struggle with and also with you. Oh. But you don't have that problem because you're a new Catholic. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. This is how this is how priests know if somebody's been away from the church for a long time because you do a funeral and you go, "The Lord be with you," and they go, "And also with you," and you're like, "Wow, oh. you haven't been to church in like eight years. Oh my it's getting ridiculous." Oh, wow, that's hilarious. Catholic inside jokes are so funny. Yeah, I had one one group I did a, ba- a, a burial for. Uh, the Lord be with you, and also with you. Uh, I did another one, and I, I told them, I kind of told them like, "Hey." You know, we're here for you. I'd love to see you more at Sunday Mass. Oh, yeah, 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 Father, thanks. Thanks for everything. Um, somebody else in their family died a couple months later, and same thing, the Lord be with you and also with you. And I'm like, I'd like to see you guys again before the next burial. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you you got to know your lines. <laughs> you got to brush up on So, okay, so we got we got lines. we got blocking. What's blocking? Some people don't know that word. Uh, yeah, so blocking is where, where you are supposed to stand, where you're supposed to walk to. A lot of it involves lights. You need to be able to walk to where the light is going to be. You've got to cut across this place at this line. You've got to walk over here in X, well, Y, and Z, your cool. positions. I, I do that, too. You know, I walk in, and then I go over to my chair, yeah. and then I have some lines over there, and then I'm required to sit... Yep. And then there's a part where I, um, I'm instructed to walk over to the altar. In front I, of the altar. Yep, and then I do stuff there. And then I go and I, distrib- I walk and I get distribute communion at the communion rail. So that's like blocking, too. The yeah, that where I, you give your homily. Right, where I give my homily. So, and, like, and actually with the, um, with the servers, we have some coordinated blocking, you know, with yep. the candles and the genuflect and bows. And when they come that. and give you the frankincense and all exactly. of that. Exactly. Yeah, so we, we got blocking. Um, music. You got music in... Uh, your plays, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have music at, at mass too. Yep. You know, hopefully, yeah. I've been to some without music; they're still beautiful. But yeah, so what's the difference? Am I am I just doing a play? <laughs> it sounds it sounds, sounds very like similar. It. Shoot. <laughs> right? Uh oh. Um, now a lot of these a lot of these things, you know, um, uh, we talked about spectacle last time, and and some of them are, you know, it's like, well, 
you don't you don't want to see it, especially if it's a period play like we did a 1920s play right you know like well you don't want to be wearing your your t-shirt and your your high tops you know it's like <laughs> well this true. isn't this isn't 1920s garb um but there's there's different ways in which um there's different ways in which you get people's attention on stage right right lights are one I put a spotlight. I want people to look at that guy. Yeah. You know, movement is another. If if this person is moving and nobody else is, you should be looking at that person. Like yeah. we did a, a uh, we did a, a, a freeze frame. You know, everybody froze except for the one character. She's still moving around with a spotlight on her. Obviously, we're supposed to be looking at her. Right. Those um, visual cues. Visual cues, color, movement. Another way, uh, if if you want everybody in the in the auditorium, everybody watching the play, to look at a certain place or a certain character. What's something that you could have all the other actors on the stage do to help everybody else know where they're supposed to look? I mean, you can have all the actors freeze. You just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have all the actors look. Yeah. You can have all the actors look at the place where they're supposed to be looking. And I tell my servers this all the time. Like, your job is to tell people where they're supposed to look. So I don't want you looking at, I don't want you looking at them. Uh, I don't want you looking at uh, the wall. I want you looking at the reading. I want you looking at me. I want you looking at the crucifix. You know that's that's how we we uh, get those those things. Uh, same 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 thing. In, Very interesting. Um, but the but the fundamental difference is you know people go to theater to be entertained, entertained. and we go to mass to be entertained. <laughs> no. no. No, <laughs> that's so, not the point. No. But what other what other venue in in your life do you go to something where you have lights, costumes, blocking lines, somebody uh, you know up on a, a elevated platform, and you're actually not a mere spectator. Hmm. There's nothing. There's there's really nothing. There's nothing. You know. Um, so it's it's like, uh, but but it's not theater, and I think this is this is where it's it's just hard because it just feels like it should be theater. Now I have a, I have a theory. Maybe we'll save it to the end of how one one significant way in which we can um, we can change this perception. Ooh. But let's do a little bit of let's do a little bit of, of back history. Okay. Okay. So United States of America was founded primarily not primarily but largely by what type of uh, Christian groups. Yeah, uh, Pur- Puritans. Puritan, con- Congregationalist, yeah. right? Um, and actually, America, American Christianity in general, even though it's not primarily Puritan or Congregationalist, it still has this flavor. Yeah. Uh, a Congregationalist is one like, our congregation is its own standalone sort of thing. Yes. And so that's that's really, I mean, like, even even at the Catholic level, we're kind of like, no, this is this is my parish, and this is what we do and say and believe here. It's like, right. well, actually, we belong to yeah. an archdiocese. No, no. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the the Puritans, uh, I mean, like their their name implies, is kind of a derogatory term. Oh, you Puritans! It is um, now, yes. Yeah, uh, it implies <laughs> they kind of had it coming, <laughs> right? Uh, so one of the things, so like they were kind of against, uh, you know, gambling and drinking and dancing. And, yes, and very... actually, one of the things that they really didn't like was theater. That's interesting. Yeah. Because theater was too 
uh, it was too sensational uh, for them. It was too sentimental. It was it was all wrapped up in emotions. And, Idolatrous, I'm sure. Yeah, they yeah. were very iconoclastic. And it could be sensual yeah. and you know off-color jokes and things. And and you can see like yeah, I mean there's there's movies today that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch. Absolutely right. And and we should be aware of those things. However. Uh, in the uh, in in the mid 1700s, they started to change mm-hmm. because they they started to see theater and like wow people are people are going to the plays. What if what if we use some of that? What if we you know this isn't necessarily bad. I'm not saying it's they're bad. Right. But like what if we use some of their their tactics? What if we baptize them so to say you know like and, and started using them for ourselves? So they began using theatrics, which the Catholic Church own. has been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we move into this culture. We don't adopt them; we Christianize them. Right. Yes. Now, there's there's also a danger, right? Like because if we if we just if we if we adopt them and forget, you know, we we don't without baptize we adopt them, but we don't baptize them. That that can be a problem. Very big problem. So um, George Whitfield and other preachers started using their principles of theater by using emotionally charged sermons. Uh, they would preach without notes. Use a lot of arm motions and movement, and you know, uh, talk about uh, fire and brimstone and shout and cry and mm. and tell you know stories that would really get you, you know, suckered in. A so roller to speak. coaster. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is a quote. I can't remember where I found this, but uh, it's from somewhere, just talking about this this time period. Um, uh, gesturing dramatically, weeping openly, thundering out threats of hell, fire, and brimstone, and turned their ser- their sermon into a gripping theatrical performance. Yes, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, now, maybe you can enlighten us a little bit if you're your Protestant background, but I've been to Eagle Brook for... I went to their service one time, and uh, it was... It was very theatrical. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, they they dim the lights. Yeah. And they 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 have they have lots of lights and they have them up on on the band. Yeah. They had they had like those lasers and you know lights going around and I can't remember if they had a fog machine, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did <laughs> when when the band is, is playing. With the fog machine. And the the prayer was very like you know it's very emotional. Like, oh Jesus, we just we just praise you, we thank you, Lord, and oh Lord, you know it's just like it's got to be it's got to be like sounding like it's coming from the heart. Yep. Now I have. I have a friend who is a professional musician in Nashville, and they would they would do the church circuit. And he said, like, yeah, I mean, it's like it's just a it's a thing, you know. Like during the sermon, we're out back smoking cigarettes and waiting for our second second act gig. Yep. yep. You know, not all, but that not does all. Happen. Yeah, not that all. We don't want to we don't want to paint a picture, but that that can be the the thing. It's like we need to we need to have people to get a, a reason for them to be here. Um, Correct. There's so, got to be there's got to be a part of that show. What's very interesting is. And it was funny because I think it was you that told me this like forever ago forever in my Catholic ago. life, in two years ago. Two years that we've known each other. <laughs> Which was, that is fulfilling a need in a person that was put there by God. It is fulfilling one side. Yeah. Maybe not even one side, but one part is probably more accurate. One part of a need. And when I, when I look back as I see the, the liturgy and the Mass... Is, is the primary form of worship mm-hmm. as Christ founded. Um, and what we were doing was still beautiful because it was a great way to just 
outreach to people that didn't want anything to do with God and to meet them at their level, meet them through methods that they understood through the language of music and the language of stories, which are timeless, and to, and to meet them there. So there was nothing, certainly in either in George Whitfield or any of these others, that were duplicitous about it. It was just recognizing that um, this fundamentalist rejection of all beautiful things iconoclasm and rejecting. I mean, there's still certain sects of Christianity today that will not look at a crucifix, that will not look at any paintings, that won't watch the Passion of the Christ, for instance. I mean, I've met some of these people. Mm. And they're very devout in their faith and their love for Christ and their honor um, to not uh, uh, you know, worship anything else. So it's done from a place of innocence and from a real attempt, right, whether incomplete or not. And so I see preaching certainly in that in that same light. In in you do have to have among predominantly at least in America the evangelical uh, kind of Baptist uh, culture that has been predominant in America more than really any other, at least culturally predominant more than any other. You've got to have a very uh, celebrity style preacher and um, and music team to bring people in. And again, I'm not saying that there's anything like nefarious about that or stupid. I get it. If that's the style of worship, you absolutely have to have those things and be be drawing um, on that. And, and of course, the irony being we really are emotional people. And you have Catholics that look at the Mass and say, well, it's boring. Well, not if you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly you realize that what Aristotle was talking about 2,400 years ago is this timeless nature of a story and that God, who made all of that, would then give us a form and a fashion to play out the story and the drama of salvation every Sunday or every day if you choose to go to Mass every day was like profound for me. Like, oh, it's not just some weird man-made thing. It's all designed in the great theater, the great drama of salvation Right. Well, and I mean, and those things like having having nights of praise and having things that are like, uh, you know, more uh, tap into the emotions a little bit. Those aren't. It's not bad thing. But not important. Is the liturgy the place for that? No. Right. Like that's that's not where that's not where we're going to. Get. And I've. I've, I've been to, I've been to places like oh, just, stop, just let me just let me pray and actually actually quite frankly this is this is the this is the the point is that the liturgy is for converted people correct the mass is for people who want to worship correct you know we've I think we've fallen away from our Christian sentiments so much that you know the mass is now like well I look around and half the people you know could couldn't care less yeah. They don't know why they're there. They want to be entertained. They're not being entertained, and um, and so there's the temptation, like, well, I gotta, I gotta reach them. Yes, but not in the liturgy. Right. That's not the place to reach them. The place to reach them is maybe you have some sort of night of praise and catechesis and help them understand the the mass, or maybe you just do the mass really well and beautifully and help them like, whoa, this is different. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was once, Scott Hahn's story was this first exposure to a mass. Yeah, a daily mass was like, wow! I feel like in the I'm in the Book of Revelations right, right. now. You know, he knew the book well enough right. to sort of make those connections. Yeah, it that, can happen. I mean, he was a Christian. 
he was a Christian. You, you may have people coming in too. I mean, I've but he was super well read yeah, too. Yeah, there, there's certainly endless stories of people that stumble into a mass and find it beautiful. Right. And there's certainly well, we had people... a guy who came into the church here who had been going to the cathedral in St. Paul, and the the beautiful organ music and the oh, chant yeah. there was like, whoa, this is this is otherworldly. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of the point. We want to, we want an experience that's not more of just this world. Like if I can, if, if the mass is just theater done badly, then <laughs> we're we're in the wrong game. That's exactly right. You know. Yeah. Let's let let's let the 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 Orpheum and uh, Miss the Boat Theater do do the theater, and let's do liturgy. Yeah. And I would argue even further, like this, the the analogy that you have here to me suggests the reverse, that man's theater is simply an attempt to recreate liturgy because it's written in our hearts. And that's why it's been around mm. from Aristotle. And even, even you go back to Jewish temple worship and even the, the opulent temples that God asked them to build with like the best wood and the finest gold and cherubims and seraphim statues in their temples, like these massive, beautiful temples, all designed to kind of point you up to this cosmos, you know, the great temple of God we talked about a couple episodes ago. So I I see it and have, probably in a sense, even before I became Catholic, all of these things that man does, even when they don't know it, they're really looking for truth, and we are looking for God. And and the theater, a play, is really this this attempt at liturgy, at a, at a liturgical action played out through a story. And when I understood the Mass that way, it's not just some old weird thing that had developed, but as like this great story of salvation. Well, then that, that kind of changes everything. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's been at least my... And I used the word, I told you, I think I, I told you this back in part one, I used the word liturgy in a song once before I even knew what right, it meant. Right. So maybe what is if someone if someone said what does the word liturgy mean? How would you answer that? And then I have another question. How would I answer what is liturgy? What does the word liturgy mean? Um, I mean, there's so many ways to to get to that. I think the one that I've been kind of pondering right now is um, uh, God's God's movement of grace, His outpouring of grace on His people and His people's response to God. Huh. Um, so it's this, it's this two, you know, God God coming to us, we coming to God, and, and in a certain way this is played out in the liturgy, right? Just in, like, we, we see it. Um, we, we come to the church, and then, uh, and then Jesus comes down upon the altar, and then we come forward to the communion rail, and then Jesus comes and gives himself to us, uh-huh. you know? Uh, you know, so I think it's this this interplay, this intercommunion of our our it's our, it's a, the playing out of our relationship with God. He's expressing His love to us in the readings, and we express our love to Him in the response uh, in, the, in the song. And so you're saying a Catholic can have a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, I mean, that's <laughs> got to be properly understood and nuanced. <laughs> See, it's so funny. Like, I. I used, I'd share this with friends. When you certainly there might be many priests out there, or maybe a few, who can't eloquently answer certain questions, even if they know it in their head or in their heart. But 
when you sit down with with a, a a properly formed priest and just ask questions like that, suddenly it's like, wow, those are all the words we used to use, <laughs> just expressed differently. The second question, and this is something that has come up in my own life, we had this great drive. Protestants have a beautiful missionary heart to get people in the door. Now, that's obviously led some to these sort of opulent, outlandish worship services, but all from a place of of love and a desire to reach people. That is, um, that has been a point of contention. Well, you can't just like invite a person to mass because they got to tell them they can't receive communion, and you got to try and explain what the heck's going on. They might feel left out if they're not standing and sitting and kneeling at the proper times, and saying all of the things. Mm. And I know what my answer has been. I don't know if it's a great answer to that question because, yeah, I'm not just going to go like, hey, come to... Now, I think in the moment, let's say I'm just out on a Sunday morning on a prayer walk and I happen to be right by the church I'm going to and I meet somebody who's clearly struggling. I would invite them in. I wouldn't really tell them very much, maybe other than just sit in the back and listen because mm-hmm. um, the Holy Spirit can work. But that has been... In the world I came from, one of the great misunderstandings is, okay, if it's just for the baptized and and even further, maybe the, the catechized and those who want to worship, <clears throat> uh, how, are you, how are you reaching people? So what would you say to that? About inviting somebody? Yes. Yeah. Um, I heard a priest say recently, and I've just, I just thought this was so, um, so right. Uh, he said, you know, Mass isn't the, actually the place we invite uh, you know, a pagan off the street, you know, the person who's, who's struggling, whatever, uh, or, or even a fallen away family member. Um, I think the place we invite them, and this is, this, is part of, this is part of the problem, if we don't have other things to invite them to, we right. think that, like, well, this is the only thing we have. we got to invite them to the pancake breakfast. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's, invite, that's next month. <laughs> invite them to adoration. Oh, interesting. You know, invite them, invite them to uh, to just sit in the quiet of adoration, because yeah, you can come to mass and be like, um, I feel so. Or I mean, think about this: like, you know, you've been away from the church for ten years, and you still live in town, and somebody invites you to church, and you're like, no way, because everybody's going to see me, and they're going to know that I haven't been at coming to mass, right. and I don't remember the responses. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be saying very, and be also very with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're being asked to take part in a play. Right. You maybe knew once or never know. I don't know if I want to kneel at this part because I'm not sure if I believe that's really Jesus anymore. You know, so all these all these different uh, things. You say, come to adoration with me. It's just going to be me and you and Jesus. It's going to be quiet. You can sit. You can stand. You can kneel. You can dance in the back. Whatever you want. That's it. That's beautiful. Just come. Just come and be. um, I mean, I think this is this. This needs to be a supplement to everybody. A supplement is a bad word, but to everybody's faith. How much? How much deeper is the mass going to be if we have a, an uh, extra liturgical experience of the Lord's presence as Amen. well? You know, not. I, I know. I know. I'm not just in this big corporate worship, but in silent personal worship as well. So that's how, that's what I would say. I think that's beautiful. I I would comparing now the these last three episodes the. Mass to a great drama and a great play, I think in a pinch, probably also makes a great way to explain to somebody. Just imagine you're watching a movie. Just sit back mm. and picture that you're watching a movie, 
and uh, and just ask yourself who the main characters are, what are they doing, and why we're here. Mm-hmm. And then after mass, we can talk about it. Um, that hit me just throughout the course of this conversation. Is if if in a pinch, I really felt the Holy Spirit saying, "Just invite this person into mass." Um, I think that'd be the way that I would I would do it. Yeah, it's just I think a, that's good. It's just a beautiful drama. Just yep. Well, and so it's funny you say that because I had a, a group of. Uh, Net Missionaries, Net Ministries is a ministry based here in West St. Paul, and um, they, they had just like a, they came to me for a little retreat. So I just had the the team, and we had a little retreat. And on the retreat, we had mass, and I offered the the extraordinary form for them, low mass. So there's no music. Um, they'd never been to one before, so they didn't really know the responses and things. So it's it just it's just very quiet, and I just invited them to kind of like you said, just just kind of experience it. You know what's going on, and just just let let it let it let it do its thing. What we're sharing after the retreat was over, just what graces they experienced on the retreat. And one of the girls said, "When you were saying mass, I felt like like I was just seeing I was just seeing different um, moments from the movie The Passion of the Christ." Huh. I was like, "Yeah, because yeah. that's actually what this." This is about like that's, that's right. that like she's like we took everything away. There was no spectacle. There was no, wasn't a lick of music. There was ten of us in a s- small little room with a little chapel. The lights were low. You're left um, with just your thoughts. Yeah, they didn't even know just what the your imagination. They didn't even know the words. You know, they didn't have the, they didn't even have the Latin translation. So all they have is like I know who this story is about. I know who the characters are. Um, the general and flow. I, I know from the start to I finish. I know the theme. Yeah, yeah, and that that's all. And and she comes away with that with this profound experience of, you know, like the passion being played out in front of her. That's interesting. If you knew, that'd be an interesting challenge to watch a foreign film, like a really powerful and, foreign film. And see film. if you can tell what it's about. And if you at least knew some general, like, okay, it's about this guy and right. he's going through this thing, how much you could how much you could figure out. I think it was uh, Pope Saint John Paul the Great said something similar about the rosary that really helped the rosary open up to me, which is put yourself in the room. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with each mystery, just put yourself in the room with Mary, like you're sitting in the corner, like you're the camera. And then the angel shows <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, and then the angel shows up. Yeah. Where are you? And I began doing that. I, I met this great artist on uh, Etsy. She just does sketches. Oh, and, yeah, you mentioned that. And uh, beautiful stuff. And what I wanted to do was submit to her um, a whole series. I'm about to do this probably today now that I just remembered, a series of drawings for each of the mysteries mm-hmm. as I have been picturing them in my head. And with the the joyful mysteries, I always, I liked being in the, like behind Gabriel's head mm. in, for that first moment or behind Elizabeth's head for that first moment. Um, and then I picture the nativity if the, the camera's sort of on top. Everything is sort of like a floating disembodied uh, uh, perspective, but seeing little baby Jesus in in the center and and Mary and Joseph's bodies kind of curl around them, almost in the mm-hmm. shape of a heart, the way I do with my wife and our babies, like let's put the baby right in between us and just fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And the same with the presentation of behind Mary and Joseph and seeing the expression on this prophet's face as he finally gets to hold, you know, Simeon gets to hold. The baby he's been waiting to see, the great joy that this old man finally had been, like, been waiting his whole life. And then um, the behind 
Christ as a 12-year-old the, the joy and, his, and relief on his parents' face as they found him. So that's how I have tried to like experience my road, and that opened up to me so much. Mm. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it's really like I'm kind of walking there through these things, which is the whole point of the rosary, yeah, yeah. which takes us back, of course, to the liturgy. And the rosary is a very liturgical kind of prayer, but it's designed to sort of take you on a journey. And the reality is it's probably not immediately evident to just the average person who may really want to follow Jesus. And again, why it's so important, we continue to properly form and catechize so the people understand like, oh, well, that makes sense. Sometimes people just need, I did, I just needed things explained to me. Right. And then yeah. at that point, it was between, it was between my stubbornness going, okay, well, it all makes sense, but I just don't want to do it. But at least I was given the chance. And I'm very thankful I was given the chance. Yeah. Um, so if we, so, jump back to jump back to the liturgy and the mass here. Um, it's not theater. No. There's elements that are similar to theater. Here's I think here's the problem. Right. We already said if if you go to if you anything else that you go to and there's somebody up front on a stage with lights and lines and blocking and costume and they're staring at you saying words, you think that you should be, uh, you are the one being spoken to and therefore you need to be enlightened or entertained or instructed. Fed. Right. I'm going to a, I'm going to a class. The teacher stands up in front of me and, you know, it might not be riveting, but I know this is important, important information. Or I go they to give a, me something and I take something. Right. I go to, I go to a lecture and, you know, a, a good speaker, for instance, a good speaker is usually informative. He's also entertaining, you know, he's not necessarily like hilarious all the time, but, you know, he, he's, 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 he's perfected his craft, like to, to be riveting enough to, to watch. Um, so if, or, or, or a, a performance, right? These people are up there, they're, they're looking at me, they're saying lines, they're, they're trying to draw me into, you know, the, right. the story. I go to mass, I see a guy up there dressed in, you know, costume, and he's standing there looking at me. What, what's my sentiment? Hmm. What am I supposed to be doing? Just sitting there watching, right? Yeah. So this is what I think. I think the most important thing that we need to do in the liturgy in order to get out of this, out of this, you know, feeling like we're just, we're just audience members, audience coming from the word audio, audio, listening. I'm just listening. I'm just listening to what he's saying. I don't, I don't have a part to play here. But what happens as soon as the priest turns around at the altar, faces the other direction, the same way that the people are facing? I'll be in a different prayer at that point. Well, I mean, what's your... He what's, takes our posture. Right. Like, if you, if you walk in, like, let's say you're the, you're the person who's never been to Mass before, it's been a long I'm time. You're going to be looking, where, what's everybody staring at? What's everybody staring at? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Did I come in? Something's wrong. Right. Like, whoa, what... Everybody's everybody's looking that way, you know. Why why is the priest looking that way? Who's he Who's he talking to? Yes. And then you start listening, like, oh, to you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Oh, he's not talking to me. No. 
Who's, he's, talking to, he's talking to God. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, O oh God, Almighty Father, all glory and honor is yours. Oh, wow. Yeah, and everyone's eyes are open. Our eyes aren't closed. Like we're, we're, we're doing something. They're open. Um, may, may, uh, may, may you make, may you may, may he make this sacrifice acceptable to you. There's a lot of pronouns there. Like who's being, who's the you, the he, the we, like we, may he, Jesus make this, us, our sacrifice acceptable to you, Father. You know, all of a sudden, everything, our perspective changes. Now, this isn't to say that it's, it's impossible uh, for somebody to get that while the priest is, is looking at them. This right. is how most of our, our churches do this. Um, but I think that we're always going to be running up against this problem of feeling like we should be entertained, yeah. feeling like the, the Mass is something that it's, it isn't. Uh, like most people, I think most Catholics ask them, I think that they're going to say, oh, yeah, the Mass is the Last Supper. Yeah. Does the Mass ever call itself the Last Supper? No. It calls itself the memorial of the passion, death, and resurrection and ascension of our Lord. Not the Last Supper. The Last Supper is, is where Jesus makes definitive that this is an offering that he's willingly laying himself down on the cross. So the priest turns around and all of a sudden everything changes. It's very interesting. Everything changes. This is not theater anymore. And if there's one thing that's very clear is that you know, so, I mean, the, the big thing, people, like, well, the priest says his back to me. Well, as an accidental side effect of the posture, yes, that's actually true. The priest does have his back to you. Right. But that's not why he has, that's, that's not the point of it. Right. But you also recognize, like, wait, why does he have his back to me? Oh, because he's talking to somebody else. Yep. It's not theater. I'm not here to be entertained. And furthermore, I have a part to play. Now it's not a stage. Now it's the platform for a, a marching off to battle. Yeah. You know, like, okay, we're all going. So, so anyway, I just, I just think there's so much, you know, it that, is, that one little thing. That's a great way for parents. If your parents listening right now, you've got kids, this is a great way to explain things to any, any child you feel is old enough to understand each of these moments when they come um, because if a child can understand and they can, I know they can because my oldest is beginning to get a lot of these things, then certainly, you know, an adult can understand. And ironically, you know, we do have a part to play. There's moments where we're supposed to stand. There's moments where we're supposed to pray for the priest, right? May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. You ask us. Right. Which is so beautiful. Like when when the priest is celebrating out orientum, he turns at that point and faces the people. Hey, pray for me. And then, and then he turns back to say like, all right, we're now I'm, I'm bringing you with me and with all your prayers, I'm going to go and do this, this thing. Like you think of it in the Jewish sacrifice, it's like he's going in, like he could die. Yeah. You know? Oh my it's, gosh. It's not something like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, don't worry about this. I'll... There was a weight. It's interesting. Again, that's probably part eight of the conversation on the liturgy, <laughs> the roots of the Jewish roots of the liturgy. Yeah. Um, and uh, how similar they are. But there is a, there is a part in, well, this is where we stand and this is where we say this and it can become very rote. And I found that explaining little pieces of it to my kids in a way that they can understand also then opens it up for me, just like you have now done again. Yeah. Uh, help me understand those little pieces because there's a lot to it. Right. And, and there, there you have it. Like Maybe we end on this, that 
um, you know, so in your church services growing up, was it pretty typical, like, maybe at the end of the service or something, to clap yeah. for the band? Yeah. You know, I've been, at, I've been at Catholic churches, too, where it's like, you know, maybe maybe not all the time, but, it, you know, maybe there's a particular, like, for Christmas, the band, or the, the, the choir really worked on a piece. And or the kids it, come up and do or something. Or the kids, yeah. you know, it's really, it's really beautiful, and, and, so, and so you clap. Why are we clapping? Yeah. Because because we're we're an audience and we just think we're here to be entertained. We were finally entertained because that was actually good. And where's the where's the band? Where's the the choir? They're standing right up front. They're staring right at us. I used to I used to lead music um, for masses too before I was a priest, and I hated that. I always yeah. hated being somewhere where I'd face the people. Like no, I'm not singing to you. I'm yeah. I'm not singing to you. I'm singing to the Lord, um, and I want to be looking. I want to be looking at him, and I don't want you to clap for me, because if you're clapping for me, then uh, you you missed the point of my. It haunted my being me up here. for years, and I say this in all humility. Um, it bothered me for a long time. I used to dream about a day where we would do worship, and I would be in the back with the band, and we would do arts, do the same songs that people liked, and then everybody would turn around and just look at a big picture of Jesus or something. This was my vision for forever, yeah. and everybody thought I was nuts. Now, in hindsight, I should have just listened to my conscience that long and have said, you know what, I don't think I should be doing this because it bothers me. It bothers me that when I look out at people, I don't, you know, I love when people would close their eyes and like, just close your eyes. Know the songs that you can close your eyes. You don't have to look up because I'm like, you know, the words are like right behind me and I'm looking out at you and All I can't right. really tell if you're looking at me right. or not. But then people would come up afterwards and, and they, they meant this in all love and charity. Great performance tonight. Right. Oh, great. Your voice is so amazing. Now, again, they meant it in a, in a beautiful and a good way. And so I always tried to receive it that way. But I always thought, wow. I've been doing this for like 18 years, and this is still a thing. And no matter what I tell people, the very thing that I didn't like, I was feeding by continuing yeah. to do it, you know, in that and, fashion. And there's something, I mean, for a priest, too. Like, I've, I've met priests who, like, they become theatrical. The Lord be with you. Like, yes. like literally, almost sound like, you know, it's like... <laughs> but it's hard because, like, there's this expectation. Like, you're you're staring at me, and they're staring back at me, and I, I got to... I got to I got to impress them and uh. yeah, you'll get 7 8 minutes to do that in your homily. Yeah. Just yeah. need it for that. Oh, well, hey, there we go. Uh part 3 of our trilogy on the liturgy complete. Uh we hope you enjoyed it and uh, I'm sure we'll have more more series here in the future, but this has been uh wonderfully surprising. Thank you, Father Kyle, as Absolutely. always. We'll see you later. At Catholic Order of Foresters, we're committed to bringing Catholic values to life and financially protecting Catholic families right here in Minnesota. Our members enjoy benefits like scholarship eligibility and peace of mind knowing their family is secure, even if something happens to them. Each year, thousands join us to support people in need through our Feeding God's Children events, spirituality tap-ins, and mission trips. Wouldn't you love to be a part of an organization that embodies your Catholic values? Find out how you can be a part of Catholic Order of Foresters by calling General Agent Brian Marketon at 763-658-4009. That's Brian at 763-658-4009.